Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Building a winning culture is a cornerstone for achieving excellence in today's competitive business landscape. A study by Deloitte revealed that 94% of executives and 88% of employees believe a distinct workplace culture is vital to business success. Aligning with the company's mission, fostering professional growth, and meticulous hiring are not just strategies, they are necessities for businesses aiming to thrive. In this episode, Matthew Rolnick, VP of Strategy and Innovation at Yaymaker, joins the show to discuss the philosophies of building successful organizational cultures to keep the business on track and make employees say yay. To support the show, visit chrishood.com slash show, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, follow us on social media, and you can email me directly, show at chrishood.com. I'm Chris Hood, and let's get connected. Connecting. Access granted. It's the Chris Hood Digital Show, where global business and technology leaders meet to discuss strategy, innovation, and digital acceleration. Five, four, three, two, one. Your digital evolution starts now. Let's get right into it and meet our guest. Matthew, would you mind introducing yourself? Great being here, Chris. I am the VP of Strategy and Innovation at Yaymaker. We do corporate team building events. We're best known for paint nights and plant nights and other creative experiences. Um, I'm an author, speaker, consultant, and uh, love talking about corporate culture, branding, innovation, and social selling. I love it. That's a great package because I think all of the things you've just touched on fits into corporate cultures. And I want to dive into all of those elements. Now, you've seen a lot of cultures across the entire world. And in each organization, you've got a slightly different style. Have you noticed any commonalities or anything that really resonates in terms of solid, good cultures? Well, for solid, good cultures, things that resonate, I mean, anytime the founders, the CEO has a a passionate mission and a vision, and they can effectively communicate that. So everybody's bought in. I feel like that's kind of the essence of what I see with culture. There's lots of other things that I see, obviously, strong communication, people being able to really lean into their strengths. Um, But I would say, Starting from the top with that vision and mission, I would say, would be the most important thing. So mission is an interesting thing to start with because you've been a part of a startup culture. I've been a part of several startups. When you have a team of seven, it's very easy to find a whole bunch of people or seven people who align with that mission. As the organization scales and grows, it's a lot harder to find a thousand people who align with the same mission. How do you maintain that? Very true. Obviously, the smaller the company, what's interesting, um, I work with Yaymaker. I met Andrew Mason when he started Groupon with seven employees and watched that company skyrocket to 12,000 employees um, and tried to watch that culture evolve. Um, I do think within each organization, there can be different departments, different teams, sub-departments. I think, uh, again, reinforcing what the goal of the company is, 
making sure you're placing people in the in, in roles that are a good fit and, and making people feel much more than just numbers, that they're really contributing and really leveraging, again, their strengths and that they're adding to it. But again, for me, it's all about, again, constant communication, um, continuously getting feedback on, hey, are, are we happy? Are we making a difference? Are we moving in the plan that we're, we're trying to hope for. So I, I, to me, again, it's, it's about communication. It's about expectations and co- would be some of the things that I would say are most important. Now that communication, I agree, is critical, but there's a flip side to this. I want to stick on the mission concept because what we tend to see is, especially today, people who have jobs want to keep the jobs. And there's oftentimes where either the organization mission or the communication across the organization declines and individuals just stay. They may no longer be passionate about that job. They may no longer align with the mission of the organization, but they stay. That has a direct impact on the mission and the culture that you're trying to build. So that communication can only go so far, I think. Yeah. I mean, you touch on a lot. I mean, you do see people, employees that get complacent, they stay. I mean, I talk a a lot about employee engagement and how do you get employees to stay engaged. Um, And that can be with their work. It can be other ways of helping them grow professionally. It can be something personal that they can bring into their work as well. Um, And and they're feeling more connected and, and connecting more with their colleagues. All those things can help. But I feel like as a company, whether it's the, the CEO, whether it's the leaders, whether it's HR, depending on the size, how do you keep employees engaged? Not everybody has to be a number one. They wake up 12 hours a day and they're raring to go every day. But there are people that, you know, they want to balance life and they take their work serious. They do their job well. And again, I think the goal is to make them feel connected and engaged the best you can. And there's no perfect solution. There's no perfect company. There's no perfect culture. And it always is evolving. Yeah, that engagement also is critical when we think about how individuals accept recognition. Is there some advice that we could potentially give managers who are trying to keep their employees engaged when we realize one person is going to accept different types of recognition than another person? Yeah, I mean, recognition is a very important topic. I feel like everybody appreciates recognition, whether it's a little bit or a lot. Some people will say they're only motivated by money, but even those people, you know, a little recognition, I think, can go a long ways. Your question about what can management do? I think it's a combination of public recognition and one-to-one type recognition. Um, So um, having structured programs for recognition, whether it's president's clubs, whether it's quarterly recognition, um, I'm a big fan of recognizing some of the intangibles. You know, everybody has their jobs. Everybody has certain metrics that they try to hit. But there's some people that really go above and beyond or really work well with another department or spearhead a new initiative or take on something that they weren't expected to. I think recognizing those or having some superlative type of awards can be powerful. Um, So I think, again, structured recognition, whether it's quarterly, monthly, yearly. And then I think that one-on-one recognition. So a manager talking to someone that reports to them, you know, at least, you know, once a month to share, hey, 
I've noticed A, B, and C, and you're doing these things really well. Shares that they're paying attention to their efforts, their work, and some of the intangibles. So those are things that I, I think are important. I'm also a fan of encouraging companies for employees to anonymously or publicly recognize others. So it's like, hey, which one of your peers do you think should be recognized? And again, whether it's every month, every quarter, and there's a way of making that into an event or giving a plaque or even having the CEO recognize these employees. I think all those things help people feel more connected. Um, I've seen people, their awards they put on their desk, they showcase, they post on LinkedIn. Um, It can make a big difference. Yeah, I agree. The peer recognition is great. I think the other area that peer recognition facilitates is it removes some of the toxic elements that you see in a management structure. You talk about having a manager sitting down with somebody and saying, look, I've noticed these things and you're doing very well. The opposite is, is there's hundreds, thousands of managers across the country that would never have that conversation, want to take all the recognition for themselves and will diminish the employee's efforts for whatever they are. That peer recognition counterbalances some of that because now you have peers who are actively saying, I really appreciate what this individual is doing. And it goes against whatever that manager may also be saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, peer recognition can be just as effective differently than management or leadership. Um, You know, another idea, too, that I think having a manager or a CEO or leader, if they even a, a personalized thank you card, you do that twice a week for 50 weeks, that's 100 recognitions that could really where somebody could really feel that extra, I'll say connection, but feeling more meaningful with that company and and getting appreciated for things that a lot of companies don't do. I recently wrote a book called Customer Transformation. And in the book, I spent a lot of time about building a culture. I talk about in the book, what is the purpose of the organization? Now, you touched on this earlier. There's a mission. Clearly, that mission is explanation of what the company is all about. But my argument is, is that it always ultimately should go back to the customer. The customer is your ultimate purpose. You don't have customers, you don't have a business. And yet what I also see is that the customer is often the focus of only the externally facing teams. And so it's one thing to start to build that culture. It's another thing to ensure that that culture spreads across the entire organization. Now, you said that starts with communication, and I agree. The CEO, the top-level executives have to communicate that down to expect what that culture is. So how critical is you know, just the basic foundation of a business in that communication and ensuring that all of the teams across the organization are aligned? I think it's critical. I, I mean, I think a customer-centric company with a customer-centric culture, hopefully more and more employees, departments will feel more than that's not just my job. They want to keep problem solving to improve that customer experience. I feel like when a, when a company is aligned with that, and that's part of the mission, I think that can be very powerful. Now, I think I love customer-centric cultures. Uh, Employee-centric cultures, I think, obviously, is very important, too, because I do feel there's too many companies where top leadership 
distance themselves a little bit with employees. They don't feel as connected or as approachable or their ideas aren't as heard. So I feel that's a real part that I like to talk about with culture, but I feel both are. The other thing too, I'm a big believer in more cross-functional trainings, events, anything social. I mean, just because as what you shared, I love if operations worked with marketing, worked with sales, account, doesn't matter, to try to collaborate, to try to, hey, this is a better experience for the customer. This is better for our business. And employees feel, again, that they have a voice. But uh, back to your point, I always go focus on whatever the situation is, what's best for the customer, how can we improve it? When everybody has that mentality, there's less of that, hey, that's not, that doesn't fall on me. But you're also touching upon the innovation of an organization. When you include multiple voices across dis- dispersed teams, remove those silos, the innovation, even a basic concept of have a suggestion box and accept suggestions from everybody within the organization, that is empowering the employees to help build products and services that are going to meet the needs of the customers. A thousand percent. I mean, what you just shared one of the things I'll talk is like the first idea, the basic 101. It doesn't have to be super techie. Just, you know, there can be a, a Google sheet. There can be a suggestion box. Just encouraging people to share their ideas and just whether they're utilized or not, at least acknowledge, I think, can be very powerful of a company in help culture. Because I feel like I feel like a lot of people just want to have their ideas heard. And not all ideas are going to be great ideas. But just the fact that you can share those ideas without fear that my job is on the line because I've made a recommendation that fails, I think is also equally critical. I'm a big fan of companies and leaders that are open about failures. And because I feel like sometimes that transparency, not everybody in the company feels. And for a leader to come up and say, hey, we tried this. This is what happened. This is why we feel it didn't work. This is what we're going to do next. And to encourage employees, as you shared, to take some calculated risks and encouraging those. Um, you know, I remember being in sales management and basically like, hey, you know, rewarding for no's just because I wanted people to get out there and take chances. So, I mean, I've always had a sales and marketing lean, but but I'm a believer in acknowledging or recognizing taking chances and, and looking at failures as building blocks to things that can lead to successes. And you touched on it a little earlier about allowing employees to go and learn something new. I think this is all part of learning something new. So you can go take risk, fail at it. That's fine. Maybe you've learned something. But beyond just that physical thing that you're working on, I agree. I think there's also areas across the organization where how can I learn about another department? How can I pick up a book and apply it to my job? How can I learn a new skill that's going to be relevant within the organization? Those opportunities, I think, are often missing as well. Completely agree. I think professional development is so important because I feel like a lot of employees can feel stagnant if they don't feel that they're uh, on a path for a promotion and they've been with the company for a while, they can feel like, what are they learning? They're just learning their own company, that industry things. Um, and I think 
again, I, I think it's important for leaders to understand the different interests or passions for their individual employees. Everyone has their own unique superpower, gift, interest, and really encourage them to lean in on that. So like right now, AI is a really hot topic. AI, and they can interest a lot of different departments. A lot of people are nervous, things like that. Any employee that shows an extra special interest in it, you know, I believe that company should say, hey, take a course, we'll pay, share with the group and and share how we could implement that within our company. That's one example. But if somebody, you know, loves writing and you encourage them to take a writing course, you know, there's a lot of things. It just doesn't always have to be, hey, we'll help pay for grad school. It could be, it can be simple course, it could be simple courses that can be helpful. And again, I'm a believer in encouraging an employee with an interest to push themselves, whether it's taking a class, whether it's going to a conference, and then sharing that with their company or their team, and how can we better. So I feel like that whole professional development piece is really important. I love the idea of a writing course. That's a skill that everybody can improve upon. Writing course plus opportunity to be published. But that goes into the culture as well. Like you've got to allow employees to take moments out of their day to do that professional development or else it just doesn't work. Yeah, um, it's interesting you share that because I don't always have great answer solutions for people that they look at the job as the job and they have their social life, you know, whatever else they have going on, friends, kids, spouse, whatever it may be. Um, and that's, that's what's important to them. And they don't want to take on anything extra. I feel like you want to offer that, you want to encourage that, but then let it be. It's the people that, like yourself, that want to do more, want to write more, want to get more involved. I feel like companies should continue to nurture that and encourage and recognize that. Um, I will share me personally. Um, Dan Herman is the co-founder and CEO of Yaymaker and Paint Night, where I work. And what I appreciate is he's very good at seeing people's strengths and really, as I said, encouraging them to nurture that and empowering them to build on that. And so for you mentioned name and lights, you know, I decided to write a book, Find Your Yay, tie in with Yaymaker and really lean into, you know, social selling, corporate culture and doing podcasts like this. Uh, but he really encouraged it. And I've seen other people, whether it be in engineering or in marketing, that he's really encouraged them to elevate their game. And I feel like that can make a that can make a big difference. But to your point, some people will embrace it and some people won't. I just say companies and leaders for the ones that are putting their hands up to say, I'd love to take a creative writing course. I'd love to write more blogs. I'd love to do that. encourage it and then share it. Another thing I like to talk about, which is I've been with some companies that I felt kind of put handcuffs on me when it came to, I post a lot on LinkedIn now, but before I was very nervous and I understand large companies, you want to be careful but I think companies can make have their employees turn into ambassadors to share their own story, what's going on with their company, what they're interested in. And so whether somebody has 10 employees or 10,000 employees, they can have 10 ambassadors or 10,000 ambassadors in theory. I mean, obviously share some bumpers. You don't want to talk about religion and politics and any secret sauces or you know sensitive information with the company. But other things, I mean... Again, your blogs that you worked on, I mean, you should be able to sh share those, shout those out, and the company should really 
support that. And uh, so I love being an ambassador. I find LinkedIn a very powerful tool. I like talking about it. And um, but anyway, but that's just something else I feel giving employees the opportunity to be themselves and share it, I think, is another way to increase that engagement and improve that culture. Well, that goes back to being proud of what you're doing, being proud of where you work. If you don't like where you work, you're not going to be an ambassador. So building that culture and asking people to share something on LinkedIn about their own personal experience, that could also backfire. Like, this job sucks. My manager sucks. Like, I don't want to work here anymore. Uh, another day at the office. You know, you've got to be careful that you've got ambassadors that are actually not only empowered to be able to go out and talk freely about their work, but also that they're passionate enough and that they're aligned with that culture to be able to provide goodwill back. I love consulting CEOs because I feel like that's the most important. And not all of them embrace like LinkedIn, but I do believe there's a halo, a halo effect. If, if they're posting on LinkedIn and engaging in their employees that are sharing things and reposting or commenting, I feel like that, again, just all there's a snowball effect. So, and I think it encourages others. So if you see a peer say, hey, we did this community service event, or we're really excited that we hit this milestone, somebody posts that, other leaders, um, high-level VPs, C-level suite CEOs recognize or comment, others are going to get a little encouraged or inspired to do that too, I feel. So anyway, that's, um, that's just something else I encourage. I want to go back to, you mentioned writing your book and having your CEO's recognition of, of your efforts. Is there a catch 22 in here somewhere? Like for instance, would you have written the book if you didn't have your CEO's participation in it? Or did you only do it because there was that alignment? Because I know I'll just quickly share my personal perspective. I wrote my book after I left Google. And I had one person say, you should have written it during your time at Google because you could have accelerated that through the organization and maybe you would have gotten some support from executives. And in my mind, I was thinking, no, they probably wouldn't have, right? So I didn't do it. And I feel like I, I get more benefit out of it after the fact. But I don't know, like there's a level of alignment that what you are passionate about and what you want to write about aligns with the organization that you're with. And so even with or without the CEO's acceptance of it, do you still do it? Well, no, no one's asked me that question uh, before. So, um, and so I, I don't know. For me, it was natural because it really did align. I started writing articles more about corporate culture, which partnered very well when it came to corporate team building events. And it actually, the more I wrote, the more opportunities we had, and it actually started being an internal marketing vehicle of getting people interested in doing corporate team building events with us. I mean, we've done many with Google, but um, so it, it clearly helped having his support. Like Matt, you're getting recognition for Paint Night and Yaymaker when you're kind of doing a little, when you're beating to a little bit your own drum. Um, but it gave us additional PR. Now, what, now major companies like. Apple, Google, Meta, I can imagine doing a, wanting to do a side project or a book or needing to make sure the, um, 
it's aligned and checking with HR or corporate approval. Um, I know I do Zoom LinkedIn interviews um, and I've had some, usually the larger companies need to get the blessing from HR or corporate if I'm going to interview them. But uh, in general, but again, knowing the culture of the company, knowing the values, um, I believe sharing, hey, I'm going to talk about this and I want to write about this and I think it's going to benefit the company and myself. I feel like most companies, most leaders should embrace that. Um, but you want to be careful. There's always calculated risks. You, again, you never want to divulge or share information that they wouldn't. But uh, I, I may be a little more of a risk lover on that standpoint. So I've never been, but I've been with other companies where I could, I knew that they were cautious. They were so protective of the brand. You had, you know, they only wanted to come from, you know, their PR team. So, but to answer your question, um, it wasn't much of a decision in my standpoint because everything aligned so well at the time that it just felt natural. Yeah, it felt natural for me to write it after I left Google. <laughs> so so take that for what it is. You mentioned interviews and it actually triggered. I know this isn't what you were talking about, but let's go all the way back to the beginning because I feel that building a successful corporate culture starts at day zero. It starts with hiring the right people. And again, in today's world, we often find organizations that begin to get desperate. I need to fill a position. I'm going to hire somebody into that position. And they don't really validate too heavily on whether or not they're a good fit for the organization in terms of culture. And it begins to introduce elements that maybe you don't want. So how critical is it to begin thinking about your culture at the point of hiring? Well, I think very much so. And I've had certain discussions or debates. You know, there are certain roles where how much culture fit versus if somebody's very has strong expertise or skilled. I think hiring the right people that are excited about the mission. I feel, you know, interview questions that I'd like to see companies, uh, I'd like to see companies hire people that already love the product or service or industry. I think that can make a big difference. Um, I know for me personally, I'm much more engaged when I like the product or service. So, you know, the current company I'm with, I love all our experiences, events, paint nights, speakers, you name it. And I, you know, I, I mentioned I was an early employee at Groupon. And I think at the time I probably bought more Groupons than anybody. I mean, I just found it fascinating, the concept, and I loved it as a marketing vehicle. Um, so I think that really helped. Um, but I do think in general, to answer your question, Finding people that are genuinely interested in your product, your service, your company, I, I think should at ground zero, you want to find the, the right type of culture, the right type of fit, because they're the ones that go above and beyond just their job. As you were talking, I was trying to think through some companies that might be in that place. You know, the first one that came to mind is Disney. Disney doesn't have a problem with hiring because most people who go work at Disney love Disney and, and they want to work there. But then you see, obviously, other big brands. Apple would probably be the same thing. You're going to Apple because you love Apple products, especially if you're at one of the Apple retail stores. Before we wrap up, I'd love to hear more about the company and your book. Fantastic. So my company, um, we have two brands. We have Yaymaker is our B2B side of the business. And I said, that's where we do corporate team building events. I mentioned paint nights. We do plant nights, ukulele making, mixologies. We do events. 
in person, virtually, and hybrid. And we can do, I mean, and um, we have, I think our, spe- well, part of our special sauce is we have local artists, instructors, hosts, um, especially with paint night all over, especially the U.S. and Canada. So we can, in almost any market, we can have a local host come right to an office or if they have a restaurant they like. So that's what we're best known for. We've done over 400,000 events. And, uh, and as I said, I also love what we're doing with speaker series that we have almost every DEI theme, mental health speakers, leadership, motivational speakers. And then on the B2C side um, is, you know, if you go to paintnight.com, you'll see events in local markets. So you'll see them in, you know, all throughout the U.S. and Canada, particularly. Um, and um, but we known again for paint nights, plant nights, ukulele making, but other creative experiences as well. So um, that's part of the business. My book, Find Your Yay, I share um, my experience over the last few years, especially I joined the company during the pandemic where we had to pivot from in-person events to virtual events and we expanded our offerings. And I talk a lot about, I, I, I love LinkedIn and I post a lot on LinkedIn and I talk about social selling and I share kind of my journey, how utilizing LinkedIn reinforced me as a thought leader as well as help bring in 60 new corporate clients and really strengthen partnerships. So, uh, but Find Your Yay is really about finding your voice, building relationships, strengthening relationships, and, and social selling, because I feel like cold calling and cold emailing aren't as effective these days. So that shares a little bit about that. That's awesome. And how can somebody get in touch with you? Well, they can email me. Um, my first initial last name, mrolnick at yaymaker.com. But LinkedIn is probably my preferred communication. So people can just look for Matthew Rolnick and they can just connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Matthew. It was a great conversation. Absolute pleasure. Look forward to staying in touch. And of course, thanks to all of you who are listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. Your feedback helps us improve and grow. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can connect with us throughout social media and online at Chris Hood Show. And please share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, or anyone else looking to grow their business and start their own digital evolution. Until next week, take care and stay connected.